Welcome to the HR Chat Show, one of the world's most downloaded and shared podcasts designed for HR pros, talent execs, tech enthusiasts, and business leaders. For hundreds more episodes and what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, and my awesome returning guest today is none other than the superstar, Dave Milner, author, founder, and consulting partner over at HR Curator Limited, a firm providing consultancy advice, support, and solutions for clients as HR functions make changes that align their activities with the new digital organizations of the future. Dave, my friend, welcome back to the show. Thanks ever so much, Bill. Great to be back. And um, yeah, just uh, good to hear your continued success. So um, I'm glad I can just be a very small part of it. Listeners, I like Dave. Dave's a good bloke. If you get a chance to connect with Dave, please do. He's uh, he, he shares loads of cool information all over the place. He's everywhere on socials and he just happens to be a very nice man. Dave, beyond my reintroduction just a moment ago, why don't you start by telling the listeners, our listeners a bit more about yourself and what you get up to? Okay, so um, to, to encapsulate a, quite a long career, um, I'm basically a corporate and retail risk banker turned HR practitioner, turned consultant, turned psychologist. Um, and now I do my own independent consulting thing. Um, so I, I spend a lot of my, particularly the last five years, focusing on people analytics. Um, but my particular niche in that area is trying to focus on HR practitioners and trying to get them to embrace the importance of analytics and data and what it can do. So that's where I focus. Yes, I work with people analytics teams as well, but that's my primary thing is trying to just get, if you like, dispel some of the myths that exist about analytics and and data in today's world. Okay, thank you. So listeners, we are recording this episode on July 3rd, 2023, and it's a momentous day for Dave and his team because uh, they've just released the second edition of an introduction to people analytics uh, in the UK that is it's coming out in Canada and the US later in July and we're going to talk about that shortly Uh, yours truly was invited to say a few kind words about the book um, which I was more than happy to do because Dave is awesome but Dave before we get into talking about the book um, I was doing my homework on you earlier today and I spotted a couple of posts because you do share more than anybody else I know probably on social media um, right. and there are a couple of interesting posts that you've shared today or in the last couple of days I wanted to pick you up on and get your thoughts on uh, the first one is around the debate around well-being reporting um, as it's once once more on the agenda following the publication uh, last week of workplace intelligence and Deloitte's second annual workplace well-being study and you shared a post from TLNT earlier today called should companies be required to report on employee well-being i've got my opinions on this day but what's your take is is well-being the next area that companies should be mandated to publish metrics on yes it's an interesting one i mean i i think well-being is has obviously become a, a very important subject over the last three or four years um i i think it's an important topic i think leaders get how important it is and i do believe that the need to measure well-being in in whatever way they want to do it is very important for an organization do we need to mandate it i 
I don't know. I, you know, we've mandated a lot of things, particularly here in Europe, and not a lot of it actually seems to land in terms of it being shared. You know, I, I think we need to bear in mind there's no consensus on the sort of indicators. Um, assessment of well-being is a very personal self-perception related thing unless we start to look at things like absenteeism impact on productivity um, work hours number of injuries etc so i i think the desire of raising the topic of well-being big tick from me i think it's really important it shows that we're taking it seriously i think that there's still a lot of work to be done to get clarity about what it is we need to measure, how we're going to measure it, and what do the employees themselves feel about any measurement that we may um, undertake? Because it's personal, you know, and then that gets into all your your ethical and you know challenges of privacy, etc. So that's my sort of quick take on it, if that makes any sense. The Association for Talent Development Members and Customers are professionals who help others achieve their full potential by improving their knowledge, skills, and abilities in the workplace. They go by many titles, talent development managers, trainers, instructional designers, performance consultants, frontline managers, workplace learning professionals, and more. ATD's members come from more than 120 countries and work in organizations of all sizes and in all industry sectors. Interested in learning more about membership and ATD events? Visit TD.org. You shared another post recently about how new research is showing that having more top performing middle managers leads to much better financial outcomes makes sense to me uh, yeah. what are some of those actions dave that can set managers and their organizations up for success yeah i shared the article because it's no real surprise i've, I've worked with engagement surveys for i don't know 10 12 13 years and and we all know is that you know managers have a critical role in terms of engaging empowering and involving workforces to ultimately produce and perform better it so there's there's no real magic that came out from the article but but i think i think in today's world with all this disruption you know middle managers are becoming more and more of an important bridge between the executive and senior leaders and the workforce and, and i think we need to take account of that and recognize it because you know, I, I think we need to be thinking about how we design our organizations a bit smarter. You know, it's great to sort of say, oh, well, you now manage a wider piece of the business. But span of control means less human touch. And I think we need to think about that, particularly if there's all this noise going on about machines and AI and all that sort of stuff. And I think that then leads into how we design the jobs of tomorrow. You know, whether there is technology of various levels, which we all know is going to happen, um, you know, we need to make sure that there is a balance between business and people. Again, we've got to get that balance right. And, and I don't think we have got it right. I think there's too much emphasis on the business, which don't get me wrong, that pays that pays the wages. It pays the it pays the bills. But I think we need to we need to think about it. And, and I think we need to really take away the stigma particularly about learning and development we've got to get across to people that learning and development is a your responsibility and b it's something that is expected to, that everybody does 
you know, I think managers seem to perceive that, you know, once I've done something, I don't need to get I don't need to get refreshed on it. Um, and, and I think we need to we need to get that expectation that learning is an important part of their job because it doesn't demonstrate weakness. It just demonstrates a thirst to learn and to grow. And, and my final point, I think, is we've really got to engage and involve, and involve mid, middle managers more instead of doing stuff to them. I think we've got to do stuff with them because they're the people who are, as I said, the bridge. They, they get the feel of the organization, what's going on. And, and inevitably, you know, they need to be bringing forward the talent of tomorrow. They need to be providing messages to the top that start to say, this is great. That isn't so good. And I, and I think we've probably underestimated the power of the middle managers. And I guess that's why I shared the article, because I, I think it tells an important message that, you know, we should not disregard them. They have an important role to play. And we need to think about you know, their development, their well-being and, and all today's issues as much as anybody else. Genos North America is a global team of changemakers using emotional intelligence to enhance how we connect, communicate and collaborate at work. And we are proud to support this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. Transforming essential people skills at work makes a difference to people's relationships outside of the workplace. Using our tools, people become better parents, partners, siblings, and friends. That's why we call our work game-changing for business and life-changing for people. Learn more at genosnorthamerica.com. Okay, now let's switch focus and talk about your book, uh, Introduction to People Analytics, which launched today, and this is the second edition. Yes. Published, uh, three years after the first today. Yeah. Uh, I understand it has over 40 case studies now. Uh, advice yeah, yes. Leaders, practical tips, insights for HR practitioners look forward to. thing is, though, Dave, it's been a heck of a few years, hasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. how, how, how has our context changed in, in the past few years and how, therefore, has the content evolved? Well, it's interesting. You know, the, the first edition was launched on the first day of lockdown here in the UK. So that, you know, that was a big success, wasn't it, to choose a day like that? Um, so obviously, none of that disruption had been taken account of within the first book. So, you know, having run about 200 workshops over the last, you know, couple of years, um, focusing on HR, HR practitioners, uh, HRBPs, some analysts, some you know, analytics teams as well. Um, I, we've really taken their input from those workshops in terms of what they want more of, what they'd like to see, what they'd like guidance on. So we put quite a lot of, of stuff in there, which um, is new. There's probably 40% of new material in the book. We've tried to retain as much of the old as we can, but we've updated it obviously with the context of the pandemic, the, di the disruptive nature of today's world, and the fact that things probably are never going to get stable or, you know, um, manageable. And so we've got lots of case studies that we've added, which have probably a broader range. They include scenario planning, you know, more tech, employee experience, more HRBP involved type projects. Um, and we've also included a lot of data that I've been collecting over the last two or three years uh, from the workshops that, that has helped to give a perspective about, you know, HR as a commercial partner, 
um, and also about capability and all that sort of stuff. So there is a lot of new information in there. And obviously, it's against a backdrop which we didn't describe or talk around the first time around, I guess. And there will, of course, listeners be links in the show notes so that you can get your copy. Um, I've got a copy coming in the post. I'm quite excited about Thank you again for that, Dave. Um, okay, so what are some of the key messages that you want the book to convey to HR practitioners in 60 seconds or less? Go. Okay, data's not going anywhere, only going to increase with digital. Um, it's not about HR being stats people. It's about being data and commercial in your approach. Um, it's about having a plan, um, both from a analytics and from an HR pro, uh, pro approach. I tend to use a, a one that I used to know a long time ago, crawl, walk, run. So in other words, let's get the basics in place. We need to have some courage within HR because we need to challenge, we need to prioritize. And my underlying theme is that analytics provides business credibility and that I think is one of the most important things because it means we're talking the language of the business, not HR speak. So those are the probably the top things I would want to get across as the messages from the book. Now then, Dave, let's talk a little bit about why being more data driven is even more important to the HR function today compared to, say, three years ago. In terms of people analytics, Dave, maybe you can talk to us a bit about the feasibility of HR practitioners undertaking complex analysis themselves i mean a few years ago that was a very alien idea and yeah. now we've we've seen a lot of chr chros entering into medium large size organizations and smaller ones actually now with a data background and that's helped to educate and, and switch up the focus of a lot of hr departments tell us more at the underlying point of this is that every organization is a data business now even mine even yours we have data points that we're monitoring, checking, looking out for. So data is everywhere. And I think we've got to start to make sure that we are using insights to make better, more accurate and confident decisions. We can't afford to get it wrong. Now, there, as the book tries to describe, you know, data scientists and people analytics specialists have taken years to develop their, their technical expertise. HR do not try and do that because unless you've got a computer science you know, degree, you're not going to be able to do it. But you are definitely going to be able to use some of the very lower level prep packages. We've got Microsoft Power BI, Excel, etc. All of these types of things and obviously um, areas within HRIS systems that you can download and start to play with reports and data. So I think it's about the HR community becoming more data literate. It's about us understanding where that boundary is and where you need to work with analytics teams, or if you don't have one, how you can find somebody who may have that expertise. Because HR is going to be pushed in the next 12, 15 months about impact and value not necessarily just about costs and budget adherence, which is how we have lived for many years. I, I think, you know, if if we, we get some level of less disruption, people will start to critique, what are we doing? Where, what value are we bringing? And that's really where we've got to focus on. So 
we must not waste our time doing things that can be done a better by other people and b that will if you like it's outside of our remit it's not what we're there to do but what we are there to do as hr practitioners is tell the story and we can tell the story with the expert in the room to enable us to get across this is the business problem this is what we found this is what we recommend you need to do and and i think that for me is what really what i would love to see more and more which is a great lead into my next question because you uh, you, you mentioned you mentioned their disruption uh, last yeah. year dave uh, you were kind enough to agree to be a speaker at disrupt hr london it, it, yeah. it was at the royal institution it was a very hot july day I it was it was a, it was a sweaty one if i remember right yeah. <laughs> it was a sweaty one it was a 10 minute walk from where i was staying and uh, yeah that was enough um it's been a while dave but <laughs> from what you can recall maybe you can share a little bit about your session with our listeners and, yeah and, it, and it, your experiences the whole disrupt hr i thought was brilliant because you you literally get what was it five minutes is it to talk about a particular topic and in a sort of ted talk way I talked about the HRBP role, is it fit for purpose? It's 25 years, well, it's now 26 years since Ulrich de devised it. It's been a great change tool and method. And I was basically critiquing and saying, is it still right for what is now a, a considerably more disruptive world than the one in which Ulrich designed it? I shared some data about um, where HR business partners spend their time. Um, and it was basically saying that we're spending a, too much time solving operational people puzzles, as I call it. We need to be focusing on those business things that make the biggest difference. And in fact, within the book, you'll see that probably the data I've collected is twice as large as it was when I shared it at Disrupt HR. Um, if you get a chance to go, you, you should go. And I finished off my session by articulating what I thought a new data-driven HR operating model could look like, because I think at some stage that may well come. And that that was talking about maybe breaking down the old business partner role and really providing quality time, quality focus to enable people to focus on strategy and to people to focus on transformation, change and support. So that, that was how the session ran. Um, if you get a chance to go, I would suggest you go because you learn a lot in a very short period of time. Thanks for tuning in to the HR Chat Podcast. If you're enjoying this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And now, back to the conversation. The next event, by the way, listeners, uh, for London is September 25th. Be there or be a rectangle. Um, Dave, Dave's session was very well received. The crowd were in raptures. They were throwing things on the stage. Saying, more, well, they're more, just throwing more. things to get rid of me, I think. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, by the way, you mentioned uh, Dave Ulrich there. He's going to be our guest along with Josh Burson on episode 600 coming up. Um, oh. Dave. Before we wrap up for today, how can our listeners connect with you? And I know that you're all over socials. And of course, how can they get a copy of the second edition of an introduction to people? Sure. Alex? Well, you can link in with me, obviously. Please do. Um, I'm on Twitter at HR Curator. There's about 33 and a bit thousand HR people following me for some reason. Um, and if you're interested in the book, 
go to www.coganpage, that's one word, K-O-G-A-N-P-A-G-E.com, and put in the search Introduction to People Analytics, and you'll find the second edition there. And if, as you've been very good to listen to Bill's um, podcast today, if you put the code AHR20 into um, the, uh, the the pay box, you will get a discount of 20% off. So um, hope that uh, gives you some enticement to uh, go and explore. There we go. The gift that keeps giving, listeners. Dave, Dave my friends, uh, always a pleasure chatting with you. Got so much respect for you, so much time for you. Thank you very much for being my guest today. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for asking, Bill, and uh, keep going. You're doing some great stuff. Thank you. And listeners, as always, until next time, uh, be working. Thanks for listening to the HR Chat Show. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe and listen to some of the hundreds of episodes published by HR Gazette. And remember, for what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com.